Hi, everyone. Um, this is Sandra Engerman, and I welcome you to the Shaman's Cave, where today we're going to be taking on the topic of how do we take shamanism out of the box. One of our uh, listeners wrote in that she heard me do a radio program once on how to take shamanism out of the box and what part of shamanism is in the box and how do we take it out. And that's what today's show is about. And so we welcome you today. And my name is Renee Barabo, and part of this is about really about finding your direct revelation. And so what we thought we would do is we would reveal a wind. And before, the, before we just started this, I pulled a wind, and we got Amunet, the Egyptian wind of obscurity. And its hidden forces are at play. And I, like I know. So it's like, so hidden forces are at play. So I'm going to call to this wind and let's see if you can conjure up this wind energy and, and see what's waiting to be revealed. And, and maybe it will tell us a direction of where we're, what we're going to be revealing to you today in this show. All right. So on the first wind breath, really anchor your, your feet into the earth so that you're solid. And then in the second wind breath in, call to Aminet. And then, then we're just going to like put an energy around our show and all of, all of our listeners, the ones who need this message, hear it. That was great. Thank you, Renee. A very obscure, soft wind. <laughs> yeah. I actually, boy, I went somewhere. I, I don't have a clue where I went. I was gone. <laughs> I was like on some other planet. And then I heard my husband walking up ahead and I was going, where am I? And I was, I'm on the shamanscape with Renee. <laughs> That's funny. First thing I got as soon as I picked up the wind whistle was I was given a pair of Egyptian feet. <laughs> like, like that, you know, like, you know, walk, walk that land, walk that, you know, not only is it not enough to, to just be when we go into these spiritual realms, but to actually, uh, we did a show on, on, on fire and what was being called to me when we are doing a journey and that shows in our archives is that I, to become the fire, to become the wind, to become the earth, to be those ancient feet that walk through that land and, and become one with those energetics because it's all available to us when we start to get these direct revelations and get ourselves out of the shamanic box. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about a box, you know, what is it about a box? Um, box create uh, boundaries. And so um, with the work of shamanism, it's so fluid and there's such a flow to it. So when we're trying to um, put ourselves into working with methods that don't call to us or ceremonies that aren't coming from our heart, but we heard that the ceremony is performed in another culture, we're not in the flow. We, we're actually separating ourselves from the magic because the magic is, um, it is hidden. It is hidden. So that wind was absolutely perfect. And when we're always looking for the obvious, we're trying to say, stay, stay safe. <laughs> safe. You know, when, for years when I would go to the sweat lodge, I would be like, when are they going to start to teach me? <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's how many, so many of the traditions are. It's, it's not about that somebody's going to, you know, pass along information to you. The information is in the the building of the the lodge and in the crawling in on your, you know, your hands and knees clockwise and, you know, in the steam. And, and so, you know, as Westerners, we want, you know, we want somebody at the front of the room to, to tell us what's going to happen. And so then we want to judge if it happens or it doesn't happen for us. And then we're trying to compare your experience to my experience. And then we're into this whole thing where we, we, we are so out of aligned with, you know, whether or not we're having a spiritual experience because we're looking for it with our magnifying glass. Exactly. And, um, and I repeat this on every show and I probably will <laughs> um, forever is that shamanism is a nature based practice. And so how shamans learned was they talked to the plants and um, the plants taught them what their healing gifts were and how to prepare the plant um, for uh, healing uh, different illnesses that could come up. The shaman talked to the wind, the shaman talked to the moon and the stars and the sun and the earth and the water. The shaman talked to the animals. And so when an animal ally would volunteer itself to either the shaman or to the whole entire community, because many shamanic cultures have community totems, it wasn't like, hmm, I wonder what this animal means. They live with this animal every day and they talk to this animal every day so they knew what it meant. And so what we do, um, you know, the hardest part for me of teaching shamanism for over 35 years now has been to watch how the first thing people do when they journey is, and they meet a power animal, is they run to somebody else's book to look up the meaning. And what people don't get is that the spirits are actually formless and they create a form for us, for our personality, to teach us a particular lesson, to share with us certain wisdom and it's wisdom, it's a dance between you and those particular spirits. 
it's not a community dance with you and everybody in the world to figure out why this animal came to you. It's about asking that animal, talking to it, having a conversation with it. And so I would say that's one of, for me, that's one of the biggest ways that shamanism has been put into a box is that people don't understand the definition of direct revelation. And shamanism is about direct revelation where you don't ask other human beings, you actually ask the, the helping spirit that can give you the answer. That's direct revelation. And so what happens in shamanic cultures is there are no two cultures anywhere in the world there are no two shamans anywhere in the world who work the same because they work with their own spirits and they come up with unique ceremonies. They come up with unique healing uh, ways of healing. They come up with unique divination uh, ways of working. And what we do is we all try to follow one person um, somebody who we see as an authority and we forget about getting the information for ourselves and so we become so addicted to methods in the western world that people are trying to heal from their notes instead of being the hollow bone that shamans were and so for me i see a difference in the results of shamanic healing in the Western world because everybody's reading books and notes instead of practicing direct revelation. And practicing direct revelation is how we take shamanism out of the box. Hmm. I just think about the people who, who just did the wind work basics or any of the wind work processes. And the wind is kind of a, a different kind of an element because when you invite it in, it starts to have its way with you. It's like, I don't know what, I'm, I might be teaching a few things I learned over the years, but you know, it just starts to move people and shake people loose and shake things loose from people that they didn't even know, you know, needed shaking loose. But it has little to do with what I'm teaching at the beginning of the, you know, I could be saying anything, maybe, you know, hopefully it's somewhat true. And they, you know, but it's the wind itself that's doing the work. And that's why I think it's such an expedient tool because all you have to do is say, well, okay, I'm going to go have a relationship with the wind and it starts to work in your life. Right. And, you know, I just think it's kind of cool. <laughs> no, I love the way you say that because it's true. You know, we block the spirits from being able to do that with us. We block the spirits from being able to go to the deepest places because we're too busy comparing ourselves and, and reading about what we're supposed to do. Um, I remember years ago, um, like 20 years ago, I used to have a whole series of journeys where Isis would come to me and she would tell me things that I needed to work on, things that were hidden that I wasn't looking at. And um, my guardian spirit, who, you know, it's also known, the term is also known as power animals. Um, my guardian spirit is not an animal, so I call him a guardian spirit. He, uh, he 
he's the reason I'm alive. He helped me walk out of suicidal depression that um, paralyzed me for a good part of my teenage years and part of my adult life. But I had no teachers. There were no books. Um, it was too early in the world of shamanism. And so I had that true direct revelation with my spirits who showed me what was hidden, the shadow work that I needed to do, and who helped me to um, gain access to being a healthy and functional person who lived a life of joy instead of trying to get out of here. And I don't know how many people can do that today because they're too busy talking to each other about shamanism instead of to their spirits, you know? I mean, I had a tr true, Isis talks to me, to me about the metaphor of the spirits are your true dance partner. And are you doing your dance with your helping spirits or are you trying to look around and see what everybody else is doing or to partner with somebody who has more authority? <laughs> No, and I think that's so true. When, when when I was first starting to heal, there was, I don't know, the, this, this Ayurvedic doctor said, oh, you need more, you know, feminine energy. So I walked into this store and there was all of a sudden there was Sister Celestine in front of me or Saint Celestine. I guess she's the patron saint of singing. Well, all of a sudden this, this saint took up with me, like, you know, in the car, we were, you know, we went all summer long, we were it was, and then we had a party because there was this other pink car that I just didn't want to buy. And so you know, there was like this really bright pink car. I'm like, no, I'm not buying that. I'm going with the white Ford. Next thing I know, there she is driving off in the other car with the other people who bought the other car. <laughs> and, and, and so, but I just want, those of you who don't think you're having direct revelations, not to get discouraged because what happened was, and I've talked about the story is when we moved from outside in the country and we all spoke the same language into the houses where we closed our windows and doors, all of a sudden we were no longer having that direct revelation with spirit. We went and we needed intermediaries. And so these intermediaries became the priests, the doctors, all of these other people started to tell us about our experience and we lost our way. So we went down that road for, you know, tens, thousands of years. And now we're trying to turn around and start to reaccess this information. So imagine yourself, if you're just new at this, that you're taking baby steps. Because I remember when I was in those shaman classes and, and everyone was telling these great big journeys that they were having. I'm like thinking, oh, nothing's happening to me. You know, it ain't happening here. Yeah, your story sounds good. And like, almost like, oh, do I have to make up a story so I can be in this class? And <laughs> I kept showing up. But you know, the, the thing is, is, is it doesn't, it may, you might be so turned off. It's like turning on a, a rusty old faucet. You're going to have to turn it on slowly. So you don't, you know, break the pipes all the way from here to the, the source. And, you know, work with yourself with that. Yeah, the easiest way um, uh, to do what Renee is talking about is to spend some time in nature. Because then you start to learn about opening up your invisible senses. Because 
when you have a connection with the sun or, or you see a shape of um, a being in a cloud or, or you see a reflection of something in the water, you're opening up your imagination. You're opening up your invisible senses. And that's what's required to get into the process of, of direct revelation. And so nature is our greatest teacher of how to do that because we all know um, we take walks and a breeze comes in at a particular time or the rain comes at a particular time or a particular animal flies over our head every single time we have the same question, the same animal shows up while we're taking a walk. And these events start to stretch our imagination so that we start making connections for ourselves about how to tap into our own intuitive knowing. And so I think to follow Renee's advice, uh, the best way to start is to start with spending um, some time in nature. Absolutely. And, and start to pay attention to the signs when, and, and maybe start to notice when you pay attention and when you don't. So uh, a couple shows ago, I was talking, we were talking about pilgrimages and I said, oh, I really think I want to go see the Passion Play. Well, sure enough, then Sandra forwards me an email from somebody who wants to go with. And then this other week, then this week, I hadn't gotten tickets yet. I get an email from somebody who says, I have been studying with Sandra since 2014 and I live right near there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, how many, how many, you know, how many signs do you have to get? So I went online and I bought a couple of tickets and I still don't know who's going with or anything, but I figured, well, you know, let's just get this ball rolling. And then yesterday they said they're mailing me the tickets. And I'm thinking like, mailing me the tickets in this day and age. And then I'm there like, oh, Renee, you really are setting yourself up for pilgrimage. Then I'm on the phone with my sister, my younger sister. She's going this year and kind of going to some of the same places that I'm going a year earlier than I'm going there. And I'm thinking like, you know, there's just too many signs not to pay attention that right. something is there. So think in your life, when aren't you paying attention? Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, the old fireman story, uh, the guy on the roof, you know, why didn't you just rescue me? Well, I gave you six signs and you didn't pay attention to any of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's paying attention to the signs and it's also trusting that you're an authority figure too in your own life. And so, you know, what breaks my heart is, um, um, uh, many years ago, and I've told this story a lot in workshops, I got a, um, a letter from a man who had returned from uh, fighting the war in Iraq. And he went to all these shamanic practitioners and he wrote me a letter. And he said, I felt like every time I went to a shamanic practitioner, I was part of a factory production. Um, he said, do you have any practitioners? Do you know of any practitioners who actually do the work? And um, 
Orange is looking at their notes and orange. <laughs> and, and, you know, I kind of started off by talking about how there are no two shamans working in the same way in the world. If you, if you actually study shamanism, you will never see two indigenous shamans working in the same way. But when you watch Westerners work, everybody rattles the same way. Everybody uses their feathers the same way. If you don't start in a particular direction, your ceremony um, doesn't work because some teacher told you that, but you, that's not part of your own experience. And you wonder why the teacher said that, but you didn't bother to ask. And so <laughs> if you use your feather that way, then it's good. Where are you in the process? Where are you connecting with your spirits? Where are you connecting with your divine self? Where are you connecting with that seed that uh, got planted in you at birth with all the wisdom in it? And so the biggest thing about um, shamanism being in the box is number one we give our power away because we're too busy listening to others and we're we're not doing our job as shamanic practitioners when we're doing all of our healing ceremonies from what we learned because the spirits especially somebody coming back from the iraq war a 10-minute soul retrieval journey that's an insult. That's an insult to a client that has suffered that kind of trauma. Um, where's going to the spirits and saying, this person went through this unbelievable experience. What is a ceremony just for them, just for them to heal them? And that's what we're missing. And that's what we're talking about with shamanism in the box is we're missing that um, willingness to go into the hidden worlds and to find what each person needs and what you need for yourself as if you were, you never had anybody to talk to about the work or you never learned anything from a teacher because that's what's required and that's what's needed to bring back the magic of shamanism today. Hmm. So funny. I was, we're doing a book study of winds of spirit. And the first thing that I said to everyone is, Hey, I am so glad you're all there because I just took notes and this work is going to be brought into the world by you, not me. You know what I mean? And, 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 and because one person can't bring in a whole body of work it needs your perspective and your perspective and your perspective. And you know, what happens when you healed with this and how do you bring it forward? And I think you have to really get to a healed place in order to really be able to hold space where your way, it's not your way or the highway. And it reminded me of the story when I first was, you know, doing a, a program and I, you know, I had a practice on some people and it was like, my notes are sitting there and, you know, and, and the client on the ground starts to tell me how to do it. And I was like, don't tell me I'm false. <laughs> and so for years, she thought I was a terrible healer because that I was like, I wasn't, I didn't know how to, that I was clumsy. Well, I was clumsy because I was trying to follow their approach 
and it might have been a good thing or not, who knows. But in and over the years, what I realized my skill is is that I have pinpoint vision. Like I just see that the heart of something and you're either able to hear it or you're not. And if you're not able to hear it, you're probably not going to be one of my clients for very long. And that's my gift, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, uh, you know, and it, it might be a little unfiltered at some times. My healing has been is how do I filter this in a way that is more valuable so you can hear it in a way that resonates. And, you know, so I think there's so much that we can do that isn't in the, you know, the, the rattling and the shaking and the, cause who would have thought, you know, you blow a wind whistle and you send people out to an alternate reality to, to get back parts of themselves. I couldn't have made this stuff up on my own best creative day. So uh, if I had been so locked into, this is how I do this and there's four sessions and there's, I would have never got here. Right, exactly. And I think the word that you use, which is perfect, is locked in. A lot of people are, are locked into a particular way of working, not because it feels right, but because you think you're supposed to work in this way. And so it's really about letting down the walls of the box and, and stepping into the path of direct revelation and stepping into the mystery where our ego and personality don't know what we need. And the spirits are seeing everything from a completely different perspective. And so why are we keep going back to the places that don't work in our lives to solve our problems? Why aren't we willing to open ourselves up to the great mystery to see what um, healing uh, ways are being hidden and are perfect for our time. You know, like for me, I kind of feel like um, I, I, I did my work. I wrote my books. I taught my, my workshops. I'm still teaching, but not 40 workshops a year like I was. I was addressing a particular culture at a particular time on the planet. And it was all perfect. We worked in a, in a particular way together. I was reaching a population that had a different mindset than people coming into shamanism today. And so I'm really curious, just like you, Renee, I kind of feel like um, the next phases of the work aren't going to come from me it's going to come from another generation who's getting direct revelation in a way that meets our culture now for the times that we live in. I taught the bulk of my teachings for the times that were perfect Mm -hmm. for a particular generation. But I can see that my teachings are not for everyone right now. And I can't wait to see what the next generation brings in as far as the evolution of shamanism goes. And that beautiful evolution will show itself when people step into their own authority and realize it's time for a change, new ways of working, and that there's nobody else out there except for you to bring that into the world. Absolutely. I mean, if you could imagine me standing on the banks of the island saying, 
you want me to write a book about the what? You know, like, are you, who, people hate the wind. What do you think that I'm going to write a book and bring in a book about the wind? <laughs> it, was like, it was like all of that preparation of what wasn't for me. Then I'm thinking, well, that wasn't for me. And, and lo and behold, I mean, I was way deep, knee deep into it before I realized that, you know, that this was something that hadn't had been here, then wasn't here and is needed now. And with, would, will, will reveal itself in, in ways that I can't even start to imagine from our conversation we're having here. And isn't that exciting to be part of a bigger thread? Right, yeah. And a thread that you started and then you wonder who picks it up and what the next part of the weaving is going to look like. <laughs> exactly. And so, I mean, that's, what, that's why Sandra and I are sitting here every week because we have collectively done a lot of work between ourselves. And, and so, you know, we don't know what's next, but we do know that our, our work is to share with other people all of these, you know, tricky topics of these times so that you can then start to ask spirit, how does this affect me? How do I show up for this? What do I do next? And how am I a member of this bigger spiritual world that we're part of? Absolutely. And so these are important things for you to reflect on, especially if you are um, really passionate about your shamanic practice, is to actually journey on what changes do you need to make to your work, to your work so that you're working with direct revelation and that you're owning your own authority and building a stronger relationship with the helping spirits who know how to bring through the magic that we're all looking for. We're the ones who aren't letting them come through because just like your client, Renee, told you what to do, we're telling the spirits what to do at the same time. We're not letting them do what they can do best. And then we keep wondering why we're not getting the help that we need. Are we too much in a box that we're not stepping out to let them speak? And so I would suggest that you reflect on this a bit. Um, uh, if you are really passionate about your shamanic work, what changes do you need to make so that you step into a new evolution of the work? And know that that's obscure and that there's hidden forces at play. <laughs> <laughs> and so, well, we want to really thank you for, for being here with us for some of these conversations and for sharing our work with other people and for sharing your ideas on the, the Shaman's Cave Wall. And all of our episodes are archived over at shamanstv.com. And if you're not one who remembers every week, you can sign up there and get this in your inbox each week so that you can watch it at your own time. Yeah, and there's such great shows that we've done. Go to shamanstv.com, especially if you've just joined us. And look at the archives. There's such a, a richness. There's ceremonies that we've done together for healing and um, uh, all kinds of uh, wonderful topics. So uh, check it out. And remember to tell others about the Shaman's Cave and shamanstv.com. 